this one, this baby, this Jesus come to earth as a babe. What a gift from God that he would choose to send his son in the most helpless form to help us. Merry Christmas and welcome to First Person with today's guest, author and speaker, Liz Curtis Higgs. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I'll introduce our guest to you in just a moment as we talk about the women of Christmas found in the Bible. Let me take a moment to say thank you for listening to First Person this past year. I've enjoyed bringing each week's conversation to you. Next week, on our last program of the year, we're going to go back over the year and play a few highlights of the interviews you've heard on the program. But you can also go online to listen to any past interview from the past three years we've been on the air at firstpersoninterview.com. Just click the listen button for the list of past shows you can listen to anytime online, firstpersoninterview.com. Liz Curtis Higgs' new book is The Women of Christmas, telling the story of Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna, who teach us to wait, pray, and trust God. So for this year's Christmas program, I called Liz to talk to her about her life and about these remarkable women of Christmas. Well, Liz, Merry Christmas to you, and I'm sure glad that you could join us today. Oh, what a special week, and what a blessing to be chatting about three women in particular this week who are very tied to the Nativity story. Now, I think you're best known for your Bad Girls of the Bible series, <laughs> and here you are talking about all of these wonderful women at Christmas time that we read about in Scripture. So that's, that's a bit of a turnaround for you. Well, it is, and it's kind of wonderful. Of course, I've loved those bad girls, uh, Jezebel, Delilah, Potiphar's wife, and so forth. I've learned a lot from them, and I've loved teaching on them since the book came out in 1999. We're almost swinging around to 15 years ago on that. Hmm. Um, but, you know, there there is an appeal for the good girls. And I'm going to put that in little G's, good girls, because... Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. Yeah. So if you're, if you're waiting for me to write Good Girls of the Bible, a book <laughs> with that title, it won't be happening because, you know, none of us are good outside of God's goodness, God's righteousness. Amen. But, but these are three women who, um, who definitely, you know, lean on the righteous side. In fact, Elizabeth is called righteous. It's right there in Scripture. Uh, and so Mary, innocent, Anna, also righteous. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're taking a look at the role models of the Bible. You could certainly call them that. Well, as you know, this program focuses on faith stories and stories of calling, how, how God moves in people's lives to call them. And I see aspects of that in each of these women, and I see that in your life as well. You have a faith story, a dramatic faith story, and, and a calling. I do, and I'm grateful for that. And I truly think everybody has one. You know, sometimes it's those dramatic testimonies that kind of get people's attention. And, and I've had women come up to me afterwards and say, oh, I just wish I had a testimony like yours. And I'm like, wow. So what you're saying is you just wish your house had burned down so you could have the experience of running out the front door. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, nobody wants that. And of course, the quote, testimony we want for our children um, is not any of that wild stuff. It is they grew up in a Christian home, they met the Lord at a young age, and they've been walking with Him ever since. So if that's your testimony, brother or sister, praise God for that. Well, I I want you to have permission to kind of weave your own story into uh, your storytelling of Elizabeth and Mary and Anna that we'll talk about today, these women of Christmas that you've written about in your latest book. It's it's Christmas time, and what, where, where would you like to start? Well, you know, Elizabeth is fascinating because uh, 
she is an older woman. We are not told how old, but the suggestion is that she's past the childbearing age. Um, She was barren, and now there are no children, so it's a triple whammy. She didn't have kids, she can't have kids, and she's she's older. Um, I was older when I married my wonderful husband and had great concerns about ever being able to have children, in particular, to be really honest, because of the baggage I brought to our marriage. I grew up in a good girl kind of family. Um, you know, I would never use the word righteous. Um, we were not we weren't really a Christian family. We were a church-going family. Mm-hmm. It's quite different. Um, we, Because not all of us went, I was probably more faithful about going to church on Sunday, but it, frankly, it was only because my friends were there. Yeah. Um, it was not, we never, we never talked about Jesus at home. We never prayed at home. The Bible was never opened. Um, faith was sort of a one-hour thing you did over there. Um, it didn't infiltrate every part of our life. And so when I turned 16 and uh, got a license to drive, I got a license to sin, too, unfortunately. Uh, and I went down that bad girl path that many of us in the 70s did, and for that matter, the 80s, the 90s, and yep. last decade, too. Every decade of humankind, yeah. Every decade, every decade. Um you know, those of us who, the 70s were pretty wild years. I mean, I know the 60s are thought of as the wild years, but they didn't get to my small town until the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I just, I took every every party that was coming down the pike. I was a girl who loved to have fun. Um, now what I love to have is joy, and they're very different, mm-hmm. but I, I love to have fun. And so if fun was to be had, even if it was illegal, even if it was dangerous, in fact, to be honest, Wayne, especially if it was, I think I was drawn to it. God in his wisdom, kindness, faithfulness, and grace, let me go ahead and travel down that dark path. He was ever beside me. I didn't know that. I thought I was running from God, and of course, <laughs> you can't run from God. Yeah. Nobody has feet that fast. He was protecting you every step of the way, wasn't he? He was. You know, really, he was. When I sit down and look at it all, the times I should have been arrested uh, for driving under the influence, the times I should have been dead for driving under the influence, the times that, you know, I, I sold drugs. I mean, it was all the bad stuff. Your listeners are now going, why would we ever want to listen to what this woman has to say about mm-hmm. God? Well, what I can tell you is that he's a huge God of grace, because he let this girl go all the way to the bottom. I always tell parents of prodigals, you just really have to let them get to the pig pen in the far country, because you can't yank them out. You want to, but but you really can't. Only the Lord can. And so when you wake up in that pig pen, and you know where you have to go, you have to go home. There's nowhere else. Um, it's quite amazing that once you start back, here comes God running in your direction. And so this same wonderful God is the one who rescued me, and and then I had a calling, which I could never have imagined would be mine. Um, I could never have imagined with that background, not knowing at that point much about Scripture, not knowing Corinthians from Colossians from Chronicles. They all started with C, unless you told me a page number, I couldn't find it in the Bible. <laughs> Uh, but in the midst of all that, here comes the Lord in His kindness, and um, He put me on a whole new path. Um, he had me share my story at my church here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it would have been, it was Thanksgiving, 1982, so that's what, how many years ago? Yeah, well, 31 years ago. It seemed that long ago, really. I know it. Seems like yesterday. 
but uh, but that was that was what happened. I shared my testimony, scared to death, couldn't eat for days. Thought, wow, you know, this is this is the way to lose weight is just to speak. <laughs> uh, and uh, what I did five minutes, but the audience laughed and cried and stood up, which was I'd never seen that before in front of my eyes. And um, I sat down trembling, and my pastor said, "This is what God has called you to do." I said, "Bob, that couldn't that can't be right." It was just like that, huh? Yeah, he did. He's and you know this is not a church where prophecies are generally spoken over people, but he just said this is what God has called you to do, and I said that's the worst news you could have possibly have told me. I haven't eaten in three days. I'm so glad this is done. He said, "Well, you just trust me," and so sure enough, from that one little five minutes that night, I got uh, about five different phone calls from different churches who people who were there and said, "Could you share that at our church?" Mm. and and so off we went, the Lord and I, and it just grew and grew and grew. So now I have the absolute joy of standing on a big stage with the women of faith, with, you know, last weekend, 9,000 women uh, in the audience. And I know I'm still that former bad girl, <laughs> although I've spent the last 31 years with my face in the Word. I know who I am. I know that I'm nothing without God, that it's all His party and always has been. And so um, it's just my delight. The writing came from the speaking in the sense that people who heard me speak said, well, don't you have a book? Well, when you hear that enough years in a row, um, you finally settle down and get those started. And I was an English major in college, so loved to write. It was a natural there. Um, But God had prepared me. I think... I'm sure, Wayne, as you talk to many people about their calling, you look at this little piece from your childhood and this piece over here, then this thing that happened here, and and you begin to weave it all together, and you see God's thumbprint in all of it. Yes, thankfully, you don't see the end from the beginning, but no. it, it does unfold, doesn't it? It does, and, and, you know, I think one of the joys is standing at the far end of it, I hope I'm not done yet, but, but far, much farther, 30 years along the line, and, and looking at that scroll that rolls out for 30 years behind me and saying, look, Lord, how it must delight him, almost like hiding Easter eggs, for us to turn around and find all these beautiful times when he was calling us, wooing us day after day to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Um, we don't know what's next, and I'm grateful not to know. I, I have no desire uh, to know what he has for me 10 years down the pike. I'm real happy with being on the phone with you right now. Well, this Christmas season is a natural time to look back on life and to give thanks. It absolutely is, and I, I think a lot of us do that kind of inventory at the end of the year. Uh, many, many, many of my friends spend New Year's Eve not you know, drinking champagne and partying and whatever, but but actually sitting down and making a list of what did I learn this year? What has God taught me? And what is next year going to look like? And I think it's a beautiful time to do that. Um, as we look at some of these women and the women of Christmas, um, they are such role models. And, and one of my goals in the book is to say, what did they do that we can learn from? No, we're not any of us going to be a Mary. Only one woman ever in history gave birth to the Lord Jesus. But what she does and how she does it, the, que- the one question she asks, I'd have a million questions if, it, if sure. an angel showed up and said, wow, here's my plan. You better believe it. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I have so many questions. Mary only wants to know one question, how? How will this be? And when he says, the Holy Spirit will come over you, that's enough for Mary. I would still have, even with that phrase, want to know a whole lot more. But her faith, her innocent and pure faith is so 
miraculous, truly, that she is able to say, be it done unto me, as you have said. Uh, and so, a, a glorious story of submission, of humility before the Lord. She calls herself a handmaiden, a servant, um, which is beautiful. She isn't running around saying, we'll be Mary. She is, she is willing from the beginning to submit to what God would have for her. It's a beautiful example. She has a unique perspective and will continue talking with Liz Curtis Higgs about the women of the Bible coming up on First Person. Next week, we'll conclude the year and have a special program that will present just a few of the many highlights of the past year. We'll hear from Keith and Kristen Getty, Alistair McGrath, Papa Joe Bradford, Buddy Green, and Rich Stearns. It's a Best of 2013 program next week. And then author Malcolm Gladwell will join us for our first program of the new year in January. I hope you'll plan to join us next week for First Person. My guest today is Liz Curtis Higgs, the author of the Bad Girls of the Bible series. But today we're talking about her new book, The Women of Christmas. And by the way, if I haven't said it already, Liz, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And to you as well, a joyous, happy Christmas, as they say in the UK. I loved reading your book about Elizabeth and Mary and Anna. And I wonder if we could spend uh, the last few minutes we have today talking about these remarkable women. Elizabeth, an older woman. Uh, Mary, uh, single, obviously, betrothed young, young woman. We never make her young enough, Wayne. She was 12 to 12 and a half when she was Think betrothed. Think about that. Amazing. 12 to 12 and a half. Um, and people say, wow, how do you know that? Well, um, a young woman was betrothed. At the very moment she was able to conceive a child, her parents would look for that husband or perhaps already have him chosen, and she was betrothed for her own safety, the safety of any child she would bear, and also so she'd have lots of time to have kids, lots of kids. And so 12 to 12 and a half, just breathtaking uh, to think about that. And then Anna, on the other end of the um, uh, chronology. The widow. Is, uh-huh. Right, a widow and 84 years old. Um, she only was married seven years, and then all those years of wid- widowhood, she dedicated her life to God. So what you have here are three godly women basically from three generations. We have a 12-year-old, we have a woman who is midlife, menopausal, we're not really sure how old Elizabeth was, but but I'll throw her in there at, at 50, 40 okay. to 50. All right, she wasn't a Sarah age, but uh, no, she's maybe, not, maybe definitely halfway not a there. Sarah huh? age, but she's, she's past the age of childbearing. Enough that it was a miracle. Enough that it was a miracle, well said, and and then Anna. So we have three generations, three very different situations, married, single, widowed. I mean, I love that. I love how God works with this, this, this trio of women. Now, there are men in the story, too, and I do cover them in the book because it you know, you can't have a Christmas story without Joseph. Thank you. But yeah, but right. But what's interesting is Zechariah, husband of Elizabeth, after Gabriel says, Your wife is going to have a son, uh-huh. he doesn't believe it. And he not only doesn't believe it, he finds a reason to negate what he's just said. Oh, I'm too old and my wife is uh, You have old. to excuse him for that though, don't you? I mean, well, I'll excuse him, but alas, God did not. Uh, apparently not, no. No, the angel uh, Gabriel said, because of this, uh, because of your doubt, I'm just going to go ahead and take away mm-hmm. 
your sound, your voice, and many commentators also believe his hearing as well. It's the same word in the Hebrew. Um, because people make signs to talk to him, which suggests that he cannot hear. So this man is silenced. Joseph has no recorded dialogue in the Bible. He never speaks. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And we do get words from Simeon, uh, quite a bit of mm-hmm. words from Simeon. But I guess what I'm saying is the women really are preeminent in this story. Um, that's not a feminist statement. It's just biblical. It's just there. They play very important roles. And that's kind of thrilling for us girls. Mm-hmm. We love to know that we matter to God. And here's the proof of that in, in this well, well, again, the background of women at that time, I mean, that, that was right. unusual. I mean, they were not, uh, they didn't have the same status as men, did they? Absolutely did not have the same status. Couldn't uh, give a testimony in a court of law, were not counted. If you were counting people in the in the synagogue, they were not counted. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that was 5,000 men. Mm-hmm. And so the children and the women would have been addition to that. So, so this in itself is another uh, yeah. example of God turning the world upside down with his his actions and his thinking. That's exactly right. It is a whole new story. And Luke, of course, who always favors women. You see some of the most delicious stories about Luke. Always the underdog Luke, and that included women, sure. Yes, and so um, so he gives us these beautiful stories of first Elizabeth, who is uh, by God's graciousness is given a son in her old age. Uh, And then Mary, of course, the Holy Spirit comes upon her. And then Anna, who has been waiting, waiting, waiting all these years, all of her life to see the Messiah and then to proclaim him. Um, Simeon sees the baby, too, and by the Holy Spirit knows who he is. Mm -hmm. But the difference is Anna turns around and tells everybody. We don't have a record of Simeon proclaiming it. But Anna, Anna's a talker. I love my Anna. And so she she tells everybody who longs for his appearing, the Messiah has come. So these three women, before Christmas, by six months, of course, with Elizabeth's pregnancy, and then the visitation of the angel to Mary, and then after the child is born, we have Anna. And so they, they wrap the story with their faith, with their love, with their humility. Um, they None of them could have imagined how we would look at them now, 2,000 years later, that their names would not only be written in God's Word, but written on our hearts, that we would look at them as role models, could never have possibly crossed their minds. <laughs> Well, as I said, I love the story of these women, and, you know, I hope I'm not misunderstood, but, you know, we talk a lot about Elizabeth, and we certainly talk a lot about Mary, but Anna really captured my attention because not as much as is told of her story in the context of Christmas the way you do. Right, and of course it would be sort of an after Christmas story, as it were, but not not terribly long. We're going to lump it all together today. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, we are. Well, and I think I think she she brings the message we need to hear, which is anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. That's after all what our Advent season is for. But then this glorious business of turning and telling everybody he's here, he has come, he's come for you, he's brought good news. This is God's son. Get ready for the whole world to change. I mean, Anna, we can only imagine what her message was, what she proclaimed claimed. But I will say this, she prefaced this business of telling everybody with years upon years of worshiping, the Bible says she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Yeah. 
Okay, let me go back to Mary then and the Magnificat. Uh, is there a more inspiring portion of Scripture? I, I don't know. It's brilliant, and I'll tell you what. It says, first, there's two things. Elizabeth speaks in a loud voice, the Bible says, Blessed are you among women. What, what we know now is the words loud voice, when it says that in the Bible, that means this is a Holy Spirit utterance. This is not a person mm. just lifting, you know, talking mm-hmm. loudly, but it means it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is not, I mean, how could Elizabeth know? The woman just walked in the door and, you know, to say, wow, you're pregnant and with the Lord. This would only be revelation. Well, for Mary, when Mary bursts into song, it's the same thing. It's a holy utterance. How do we know that? Remember, she's 12 and a half at most. Right. Right? And uneducated. She's a girl compared to Elizabeth. Right. A very young girl and uneducated and poor. Um, There is nothing about her to indicate that she had anything in Nazareth. Nazareth was not a place you wanted to be from anyway. A small, very small, less than a hundred people. Kind of a farming community, a working community. Uh, And so, but look at the language she speaks when she does the Magnificat. There's no way this young girl suddenly became this lyricist. These are words poured into her heart and poured out of her mouth by the Holy Spirit, because it it is enormous. I'm trying to remember, and I, I wrote the book, so I should remember, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly how many psalms she weaves into this song. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's, it's one after another. It is uh, prophetic words. It is bigger words than a young girl in Nazareth could ever understand. I don't just mean the length of the words, but the She's got Isaiah in there, kind of, you know, looking out over... She knew her scripture, didn't she? Oh, she did know her scripture. She absolutely did. But I, you know, the way this all pours out, unless she... (laughs) The only other option, Wayne, is she wrote it on the road to uh, Elizabeth's house. She had about nine or or ten days, you know, (laughs) to do, to travel. But I I think this is all God pouring through this young girl. Well, Liz, we have uh, just a minute left, and uh, it's been remarkable to look at the women of Christmas in in the context of this holiday, but obviously it's not about the women, it's about the Lord. Oh, absolutely. uh, Just wrap us up with that thought, if you would. All of them were anticipating, waiting for, celebrating this one, this baby, this Jesus come to earth as a babe. What a gift from God that he would choose to send his son in the most helpless form to help us. And I believe these women circling around this cradle, as it were, we can imagine them, the three generations, the three different walks of life. They represent all of us, male and female, looking at our Jesus and saying, this is the one who has come for us. How can I best serve him? Today's guest has been author and speaker Liz Curtis Higgs, and we've been talking about her new book, The Women of Christmas. For more about Liz and her ministry of writing and speaking, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find a link there to Liz and specifically to the Christmas book we talked about today, firstpersoninterview.com. One unique aspect of this program is our online audio archive where we've placed all of our past interviews, which you can select and listen to at any time. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the Listen button. And if you'd like to download interviews to your computer or MP3 device for playback on the go, Subscribe through iTunes. 
And to leave a comment about today's program or interact with other listeners, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. One final program ahead in 2013, a best of program next week. I'm Wayne Shepard on behalf of myself and my friend and producer Joe Carlson. Merry Christmas from First Person. First Person.